Hello, you're listening to season four of the Achieve With Me podcast. This fourth series is a special interview series showcasing interviews with some hugely inspiring women and men who have a thing or two to share with you about building your career and becoming more confident. My mission as a confidence and career performance coach is to empower women like you to grow in confidence and stretch your comfort zones to get to that next level in your career on your terms. Without further ado, I'm very excited to introduce today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, my ambitious ladies, and welcome back to another episode of the Achieve With Me podcast, the interview series. Now, today we have got a really unique interview, and I know that you're going to find this super interesting. I'm welcoming Angelique to the podcast today. Angelique Jeanne is an actor and writer born in Surrey within the UK and was raised on the beautiful coast of Brittany in France. Very jealous. <laughs> Ready, Set 30, A Tale of Figuring It All Out, whatever that means, is her writing debut that we're going to be hearing all about today. And I know that some of you will definitely be rushing to the shops, both online or respective in person. So, a bit about Angelique then. After receiving her French literary baccalaureate specialising in philosophy and languages, Angelique studied English literature and drama at Rennes University. Now, halfway through her degree, her desire for adventure and love for acting, plus the need to challenge herself, took over. She took the plunge by moving to London to pursue that career path whilst finishing her master's degree remotely. Now, in the past decade in London, with a few stints in Los Angeles and New York to study screenwriting, Angelique's credits in TV and film include BBC's Doctors, The Crown and Allied. She also wrote and directed her first short film in 2019 called Locked Out and is currently in the process of producing her TV pilot, Girls Like Us. Wow, such an impressive introduction and there's so much that we're going to be learning from Angelique today, but... Really, one of the main things that we're going to be discussing is really the differences that we can see within our career progression throughout our 20s and then actually getting into our 30s, how different that can be. So really excited to dive in. Angelique, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Feels very <laughs> weird to hear back. I can imagine so it, it often feels weird for me when I go on podcasts but um I expect there's part of you that thought damn that sounded good <laughs> um, yeah it, it, and a part of me it sounds like it's not me but it has <laughs> happened all of that has happened so yeah it feels, it feels nice it's good to reflect, isn't it? Reflect on our achievements, yeah. uh, which we don't often do. Well, listen, you know, your career history is pretty impressive. And I know that a lot of the listeners are going to be really intrigued. Um, did you always know that you wanted to act? I think so. I was uh, quite a performer kid. Like I liked to put on sketches and dance around at pretty much everywhere I went. And I think I, I mean, I was lucky enough. Um, my mum took me to a few castings when I was four or five years old. So oh, I had wow. a glimpse of the world early on, the commercial world, I would say. Um, one of those, you know, Polly Pocket kids uh, on TV. 
But uh, my mum actually didn't really like the industry at the time. So she pulled me out quite young. And she said, listen, if you ever want to go back to it, you can, but not maybe not for now. And when I think I reached about nine, 10, after having done gymnastics, and I think I even did a circus performing show. That's how much I wanted to perform. I think it's just desperate wow. circus stuff. Um, I, I then like asked if I could enroll in, in drama classes. And so that's how it started. It started like around nine, 10, um, up until, yeah, I, I moved to London and did it as a, as a career. Wow. So that's so interesting how it really does date back to those early days for you. Had mm. your, obviously you mentioned that your mum took you to some castings when you were sort of four or five. Had she had any experience in that world that sort of prompted her to want to get you into that? Absolutely not. No one in my family is in this industry. Uh, it oh, came wow. from nowhere. It's purely because someone in a commercial, in a shopping center um, saw me with my mom and they said, listen, do you, would you be interested in your kids coming to this casting? Um, and she had never even thought of it. It was very foreign. And so, yeah, we went along and I went to a few castings, but yeah, it just, I think the competitiveness between parents, she got quite scared of it. Apparently, parents can be quite, you know, intense with their kids at castings. Not that the intensity of the casting process has changed. Uh, the competitiveness is still there. But mm. as an adult, you just see it from a, from a different light. And, you know, as an adult, I've chosen this. So it's not like my mum pushed me into castings. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was in plays all throughout high school. So I think I just had that innate like feeling that I wanted to entertain in some way and mm. I'm not sure where that came from I, I, my parents do not know we actually tried to look back in the family tree and there's no one <laughs> so yeah. I don't know yeah really really interesting and I think um it's it's almost a really lovely example of um listening to your intuition and doing things that align with that rather than things you think you probably should do. Um, yeah. Which, you know, we can all be guilty of and we can all be tempted to sort of look at what the norm is yeah. within our family and then pursue paths that, that look like they tick that box. So, wow, that must have taken a lot of courage to, to really follow that dream. So it's great to hear. Now, one of the things that we wanted to chat through today, um, especially in conjunction with your book coming out, it was all to do with kind of navigating some of the challenges um, in your career and especially throughout your 20s because let's face it, um, turning 20 and then the person you are at 29 before your 30th birthday, there's a huge plethora of different experiences and, yes. <laughs> and things that you go through during that time. I think we evolve probably the most that, that we evolve, really. I think so. Time. I think so. You, you become a completely different person. Um, yeah. It's quite... And to look back on the decade, it, feel, it does feel like you're talking about a different person, how you started. And it was, it was 100% challenging. I... Because I I stud I was quite good in school and my parents were like okay you can act but you know you're good in school so it feels like a shame um, mm. can you try and do the, the university thing and you know in France it's it's different to England so you don't pay the fees you pay in in the UK so you can go and it's it's affordable and I I wanted to give it a try so I I did study at uni but halfway through I I did a um, 
summer course, uh, acting course in London. And the teachers there just convinced me to move. Oh, but wow. I really, I don't think I was really prepared in how challenging and hard that first year in London was going to be because I had to, I wanted to keep studying. So I was continuing my degree via correspondence and I would only go back to France to, you know, attend the exams mm. while also, you know, trying to go to castings, find an agent in London, work. I worked as a waitress to pay my rent and I was living in a house with eight people, I think. <laughs> um, I think I even shared my room the first six months in London. It was, it was, it's not a year I like to revisit mentally. I think it was the, my father hardest year, but I learned a lot and I learned really, you know, I made, it made me realize, okay, this is actually going to be difficult, but mm. this is going to, you're going to prove to yourself how much you want it and how resilient you are and how, you know, you're going to grow. And, and eventually it, it did get a bit better. I got, I got an agent and started to work in little short films and commercials. And I managed to move out of that house house. That was <laughs> insane. And, um, and then, you know, just progress from there. But the, the 20 year old me, um, was very, I was very passionate and very determined, um, uh, maybe a bit naive at times, but I was really always willing to observe and listen around. And I think that's a huge part on, on how you become a better person in general, because you can't do it on your own and you always have to be aware of your surroundings. And that's sort of where you learn the biggest lessons in just seeing what other people are doing. And if you want to, do you want to do that? you want to do something different um mm. how you want to conduct yourself in the world I think that's that's pretty big in the 20s yeah definitely and I think you know I'm often studying other people's stories and obviously you know interviewing people for the podcast and I think that one of the things that I've picked up is that you almost need that naivety to be successful because if you were to overthink it and have all the facts there, you know, we're so risk averse as people, aren't we, that we might not necessarily have taken some of those plunges. And I think the early part of your 20s, you know, to move, um, you know, and not know anybody and, and start a brand new career, you know, might if you're telling somebody about that, that was very risk averse, they might think, oh my goodness me, what on earth are you doing? So I can imagine that, you know, that did take a combination of naivety and courage and even forms for you to take place with. But um, what would you say the best part of your 20s was? Obviously, I can imagine the room share probably comes under worse. Highlight. Correctly. No, highlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, as worse as it gets, I think. Although you'd, you'd think that, but then I, I've I moved around a lot in London. I'd say a lot of Londoners go through this where it's very hard to find a flat uh, that you like and the people in the flat that you can uh, tolerate. So it ha I had to move around quite a lot and be adaptable. And that's the thing. As a Londoner, you have to be adaptable, but as an actor, you have to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like I, I moved from from. France to England, didn't know anyone. And I obviously did have a lot of people who judged, judged me in, in high school because I come from a small town in France and people don't do this. They, they usually stay where they are 
and follow the motions that everyone does. But I, um, I just moved and sort of took the bad and the, the good. I was just like, I'm following my gut and I'm following my dream. If, if this is a terrible situation, and I have been through many, I think being a waitress in London is very difficult. Mm. Uh, it's a very hard job and it's very long hours. So you don't have a lot of energy for much else. And I had to have a lot of energy for castings and applying for many jobs. And um, I mean, it wasn't even the only job I did. I, I had night shifts and I did promo work. And I think I, I did do a leafleting job. And I think that might be the worst. That that was probably my, my worst moment where in peak winter at minus five degrees leafleting outside, wondering what the hell I was doing with my life, um, was, was how, like, I, I was really thinking, did I make a mistake here? And I think the worst moments in my 20s are probably when I doubted myself the most, like where mm. I... I even though I had followed my gut and my instincts, uh, I let those voices, those um, doubtful voices take over. And I was like, this is a mistake. I should probably go home or change careers. Did I waste seven years of my life here? Why is nothing going the way I planned? All of that is really detrimental to, to my, it was for my mental health, just really mm. bad. So I'd say those moments were quite low. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. And I think as well, that self-doubt of questioning mm. whether the career is even something that you ought to be pursuing. I think that that point is probably where most people would have bowed out and would mm. have said, you know what, I am going to go home. I am going to do, you know, something that's a bit more average and a bit more expected. And it sounds like it took incredible resilience to, to keep going and keep going towards your dreams at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a huge amount of rejection that doesn't feel really normal for any human to go through as an actor. Um, and say it's the same for musicians or anyone in the creative field, but as an actor, you, you get no's every week and mm. you, you sort of get used to them. But then I, what I was doing is I was sort of shoving them down in a corner somewhere. And then the, the final no that really pushed me over the edge, the, all the other no's came, came back uh, at the same time and I just felt like I was drowning in rejection it doesn't feel right and most people who listen to me when I talk about oh yeah I got so close to this job and someone else got it at the last minute and they're like are you okay and I'm like yeah but then you I actually was very good at avoiding any of those feelings and then eventually as I grew older I was like no because this I need to actually deal with these feelings because all of this anxiety is just stuck here if I don't acknowledge what is happening and what it's doing to, to me. And it's also okay to be sad about a rejection and not brush it off like mm. I, I was very used to doing. So I would say, yeah, the, um, the industry is brutal. It, it always will be. It's just how it, it is. But, you know, you get those yeses and they make up for, for the noes. Yeah, it sounds like... I mean, it probably doesn't feel like it at the time, but it sounds like such an exciting process, though, because it's almost like, you know, for me, who, you know, doesn't really know many actors, 
Um, I'm always curious as to whether you actually get feedback when you get a no or whether it's just a case of we've chosen somebody else. Well, no, I, I mean, I would love to have feedback every time, but unfortunately that's not how it works. There's, they ha- they don't have time. These people who are casting you or are casting people, they just don't have the luxury of, of time. So you would usually get feedback if you're quite close to getting the job. Like if you have had a few callbacks and it's between you and two other people and you know, you've, you've had a few auditions now and you feel like you're getting closer and you don't get it, then you would get an explanation of sorts. Mm. You don't always get the real one. <laughs> it's quite, you know, this is England. It's quite diplomatic. You have no idea if they're telling the truth or not. But uh, no, most of the time you don't get feedback. So you're, you're left in the dark. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's so challenging because obviously, you know, a lot of the listeners are sort of within the corporate environment and they're yeah. kind of looking at climbing that career ladder. And I think that one of the things that we we obviously fear rejection a lot of the time, um, yeah. but, you know, one of the things that we can kind of cling to or or take advantage from those situations is the fact that we can understand a little bit more about where we might need to improve and what we can do better next time. And so... I think that that's a really polarizing situation. And I'm, I'm someone who is like that. I will, I always ask though, I ask my agent, can you ask why? Because I actually really felt strongly about this part. And I think I did a great job in the room. Can you ask? Like, I will always make a point um, Mm. because I am someone who, who needs to, you know, be able to do better next time and know what, what I can learn and how I can do it different. But unfortunately, in the acting world, especially in the commercial world, if you are a commercial actor and you're just doing a bunch of commercials, you just have to learn that it's not really about what you did. It's probably about, you know, they wanted a blonde person. They wanted uh, someone from this specific country. It, it, you know, you can't really control that. And I think over time, what I've learned is letting go of what I can't control. So... I go in an audition room, I do my best, I know I've done my best and I can like remove myself from the situation and think, okay, well, you did everything you could and now it's not up to you. So that in that self has helped over time Mm. to just be like, okay, I'm hands off now. I've just, I'll, I'll let the universe deal with it. Yeah, definitely. You have to to look at any situation I think and look at those elements of what can I control and what can I not control and so often we kind of invest all this energy into things that we can't control and Mm -hmm. the only person that suffers is us unfortunately because we're not moving on we're not letting go of that and um, I think that's a really good skill to learn for everything in life not necessarily just about careers about everything Mm. you know some things just don't work out for a reason and you can't control it. So it's more about focusing your energy on what you can control, which is your attitude and the way you can move forward and what you do next. And that's, yeah. that's how it is. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And, and speaking of, of skills, I suppose, I mean, how important do you think being confident is in progressing in your career? And I, I suppose... It might sound like an obvious question, but but do you feel like a confident woman? 
That's a great question. Uh, I think, yes, you, you do need a certain amount of confidence to progress, but it takes time and experience. Like for me at the beginning, I was a 19-year-old in London. I didn't have any credits. So mm. I didn't have any, any experience. I just wanted to learn. So I was just open to any job, any sort of amount of pay, which was very low because when you're an actor just out of training, you'll just do low pay um, just to gain experience on set. Yeah. But over time, you, you sort of build credits, you build experience, you have leverage um, to, you know, ask for more money and ask more questions and be more assertive because you, you've built that experience. And so through experience, I think you do have naturally more confidence. Like if you're mm -hmm. studying something, if you're studying philosophy and, you know, at the beginning you didn't know anything about philosophy, but if someone at the end asked you, you're like, oh, yes, I know this. I have learned this. So I think, yes, over time, confidence is, is built. But I know it's very easy to, to have your confidence broken at times because people, you know, will say things to you and you're not a robot. You will react and you will feel what is said to you or how, what's happened in your life. So I don't think it's um, something to entirely focus on. I don't wake up every day thinking I'm confident, like this <laughs> is my day. Everything is going to go right. But I think there is an attitude to it. Like if you don't, if you feel pretty crappy that day, uh, I think, I can't remember who said this, but, you know, pretending sometimes can help. As in, you know, you're put on a, a character and see how that feels um, just for a moment and then, you know, go on with your day. But also if you wake up and you're feeling quite crappy, then just acknowledge that, okay, today I'm not feeling great. Tomorrow will be better. I just have mm -hmm. to be kind to myself and, you know, patient and realize that, yeah, today, not every day is going to be uh, the confident day. Yeah. But I would say I, I, I'm definitely more confident um, now I was very confident as a 19-year-old. I was very uh, bold and I was always trying to impress, but um, not always in the right way. And then it took a real dip in my mid-20s when I just had so much rejection and nothing seems to be... I was very lost and nothing was going right according to my standards. I had set the bar really high and I hadn't reached a lot of those goals. So I didn't feel very confident for a while. But then, like I said, it's about perspective and also acknowledging what you've learned and how you've grown and, you know, being kind to yourself. I think that's just something I'm, I wasn't very good at. I was really hard on myself for mm -hmm. most of my 20s and just beating myself up about everything. Um, and even though I had achieved a few things, because I hadn't, you know, reached the, the top bar, it didn't really mean much, which I, I find quite sad because I, what, now that I look back, I'm like, yeah, it, it, I ha in that decade, I did a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and I did a lot of things I wanted to do as opposed to, you know, what you think you're supposed to do and what other people are doing. And I just followed my own route. And I was really, I, now I'm really proud of that. But in the moment, in those years, I, I, I was just like, what am I doing? This is a mess yeah. 
It is sad. And, and that really resonates with me, what you've described, actually, because I think that I had a similar approach. Nothing was ever enough, really. Mm. And with that, um, you know, I struggled, struggled to sort of celebrate those yeah. wins and celebrate those successes. And I look back now with a kind of kinder veil on and think, gosh, you know, that girl was trying so hard and, you know, all you did was beat her with a stick. And I think, you know, from your perspective, Angelique, would you say that's one of the main differences between your approach in your 20s versus kind of entering 30s? Yeah. Yes. Because also you know yourself better. You know a bit more what you want, what you don't want and what your what your boundaries are. Um, you, you just know yourself and you've also built on that. Like you've become a person maybe that you, you like and that you respect. And, and even if it's not the case yet, like you, you know, you know, your, your self-awareness is, is, um, is just there a bit yeah. more. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of learning. I like, I, you know, I'm, I've written this book, this book is coming out and it, it was, it could have been very enjoyable and for me it was a mix of stress and yeah being really hard on myself and self-doubting if I even should put this book out there it's um but then at the end of the day because it's out and I'm really proud of it and it it, it is based on everything I've learned and I have a lot of good things to say and yeah I, I think it was sort of letting go and being like okay this is what I have to say and this is what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, well, let's talk about the book then because this is really <laughs> exciting. This is something that's like happening right now and it is a total kind of, well, it feels like a bit of a natural progression from what you've been doing, but something that must have taken massive courage. So how did the idea for writing a book even come about? Well, I never thought I was ever going to write a book. This is something very surprising even to me. <laughs> It's taking a while to realize that it is, it's happened and it's out. But it's, um, when I was around 29, a friend of mine wrote a letter to herself when she turned 30 about, you know, her lessons and life in general. And I thought it was such a good idea that I, I made a note and I was like, you know what, the day I turned 30, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to sit down and write a letter to myself. And yeah, lo and behold, I, I, sat down on my 30th birthday and for two hours just started writing and I think six seven pages came out of it and it was a mix wow. of the mess that was my work life my love life dating life in London was a, just a horror show for my in my 20s and just making fun of it and the the heartwarming moments the light-hearted stuff the the funny moments that have happened because I you know so many hilarious moments embarrassing moments have happened in my life <laughs> and so I just wanted to make fun of it but also you know it's quite cathartic to to write down what you've learned and what you've been through and then I shared it online um and the response was insane I, I couldn't believe it uh, people I, I didn't even know were going to read it read it and said you should you should make this a book like you should you, we want to know more Wow. And the next day I was like, this is, that doesn't make sense. What do they mean? What do they mean more? Do I have more to say? And then I sort of made a bit of an outline over the 
next three months. And I was like, okay, this actually could be a book. And then COVID happened and it was a great opportunity to, instead of panicking about the fact that acting, the acting industry had just shut down and I has, I had now no work. I was like, okay, I'm going to write everything, everything I have been through, everything I know. And yeah, two years later, here we are. There's um, seven chapters and it covers a whole range from when I was a teenager to, to now. And I think it's what a lot of, even if, you know, acting is quite a niche industry, there's a lot that I, I went through that most people do. Mm. And I, I really wanted to write something that was relatable, motivating, encouraging, inspiring, and also making people laugh because that is ultimately what I wanted to do growing up is to entertain and to make people laugh and make people feel something. Mm. And I didn't realize, but through a book, it's also doing the same, just in a different way. Yeah. And actually, as a reader, <laughs> I can say this because I love reading, but I think that there's something so special about experiencing something that only you were experiencing in that moment. And when you're reading and, you know, you're laughing, you're crying, you're, you're going through that kind of emotional roller coaster with mm. the author at that specific time of you reading, that's so unique because in a world where, you know, everything's broadcasted everywhere and, you know, people would watch along doing something with you um it's very rare that you actually can have that moment so I think it is very special and I'm so glad that you know you've chosen to <laughs> share so intimately um through the medium of a book because again I think you're absolutely right you know so much of what we all go through is very relatable and we always think it's only us that feels like that. We always think, oh gosh, you know, that's so embarrassing or this, yeah. that and the other. But actually we've all been there. Yeah. Um, and looking at looking at it through a lens of almost a humorous lens, as you mentioned, yes. um, I think is almost a bit of a relief for anybody <clears> who <throat> A, has been through something similar and thinks, gosh, I can now look back at that and laugh as well now because yeah. I've seen that approach. But also for somebody who's yet to go through something like that to then look at that from a new perspective mm. rather than maybe having that panic that they might not have had. Yeah, and, and in the 20s, you feel so lost and on your own a lot of the time. Even with your friends, you don't really share what the the real downs like mm -hmm. and it's only like when when I was going through low points and years later we talked about it with my best friends and I actually at that same point she was going through something and I was like well what why weren't we like <laughs> more present for each other at that point what were we thinking like just taking it all too much on your own and thinking yeah I'm on my own here no one else mm -hmm. is feeling the way I'm feeling why at 25 don't I know who I am why don't I know what I want? Like all those questions are really overwhelming when you're in your twenties. And, um, it was just, yeah, it, it feels very overwhelming and terrifying to have this book out there because it is quite personal, but I, I do think a lot of women, especially will, will take a lot from it because it's meant to just be reassuring and comforting that it's okay not to have it figured out. It's okay not to have a clue. Um, you're doing your best and that's that's all you can do really yeah 100% and 
you know, even other bits that I picked up throughout this conversation, you know, things like um, really believing in your intuition and, you know, even if it doesn't make sense at the time, like you say, just trusting that this feels like the right thing to do um, yeah. is something that takes so much bravery, but the results that come out from that um, are just beyond what you could have expected. I mean, let me ask you, Angelique, you know, if at that point when you were flying in minus five, um, wondering what on earth you'd got yourself into, could you have imagined being in, for example, the crown? No, no, of course not. <laughs> no, that job, that job was, oh, that was such a low point. And no, at that point, I actually thought, okay, I can't do this anymore. London mm. is too difficult. I'm not getting a break. And actually, I think two weeks after that job, I got a job, like an, act, <laughs> a, a, an acting job. So it was more like I was really at my low and I, I was sort of asking just anyone, just help me out here because I'm, I'm very close to giving up. And mm. that, of course, has happened a few times where I've been like, this hurts too much and this is too difficult and I'm putting myself through too much hurt here. But somehow something's pulled me up again Mm -hmm. and usually that's how life works yeah I find that to be true I think having some kind of faith regardless mm. of what that's in um just believing that things do work out in the end if they haven't yet that it's not the end um just kind of makes you look at things differently and say okay well I'll, I'll just keep going I'll just keep trying and you know one of the things that I always say to my clients is you know we so often avoid change um, yeah. and, and we see change as a negative thing because very often change is thrust upon us without us having a choice in the matter. But when we pursue change, we can kind of start to see that as a more positive thing rather than something that we're the victim of, I suppose. Um, and even just looking at your life and reflecting, doing that reflection process to say what's working and what isn't and if something isn't working, how could I change that? Um, and I love the fact that this whole thing with the book started because of doing these reflections on your years and um, leading up to your 30th birthday. I would encourage anybody, regardless of your age, to, to almost do that left to yourself. I think yeah. that, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, I think that the lesson needs to be brutally honest. So rather than the highlight reel or whatever, um, you know, I think being very honest in that is important but just taking that time to reflect yeah I, I I say to everyone now if you can at some point write a letter to yourself it doesn't even need to be on a birthday really it just can mm. be at any point where you feel a bit lost or you're feeling stuck and usually those moments are when you need a change so mm. you need to but it, it's not easy you need to be ready and brave and pushing yourself out of the, a comfort zone that you've built for yourself it's it's really hard mm. um but usually good comes out of it like you say if you choose to change something um and you're not forced into changing something I feel like th that's when good happens yeah. but it, it it is it's not easy I, I wouldn't say you know everyone should do it at any point it's just you know you need to feel ready and I, I do recommend writing a letter. <clears throat> yeah, I think it, in any capacity or just even a list, 
if you just don't want to go full on a letter, just a little list of things you've, you um, love about your life, you really need to change about your life, what you like about yourself, what you don't like about yourself, you know, be, yeah, like you said, brutally honest, because also you don't have to share this letter. No, crikey, no. No, you just, (laughs) yeah, you keep it to yourself and you read it back maybe in a year or two and you think, oh, wow, that person's changed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So look, I can't wait to get the book. So it's out (laughs) as of now, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it's out um, pretty much. Yeah, it's out everywhere on Amazon. So you can get it in any country you want. Oh, wow. Fantastic news. So yeah, I'm definitely getting, I'm a Kindle girl, so I'm definitely going to get that on Kindle. Um, So yeah, we will definitely share um, the link in the show notes for people to find that. um, I'm typically um, easiest place to access things. It's great news that's available. Um, And and where can we find you online? Because I'm sure there's so many people that have found what you've shared really inspirational today. Uh, You can find me, I've got a website, angeliquejoan.com. Or awesome. Instagram, Angelique.Joan. Uh, Facebook, I think it's the same. And Twitter's the same. Um, okay. Yeah, that's where you can reach me. Yeah, and if you yeah. get the book and if you get the paperback, just send a picture of it. I would love to see it. I would love to see people with my book. Yeah, definitely. So anybody who is listening to this podcast and who has gone ahead and grabbed a copy of the book, which I highly recommend, um, Let's pop it on our Instagram stories. Tag both myself and Angelique. We'd love to see that. Um, And we'd love to share, you know, your takeaways from it as well. Because, you know, obviously Angelique's, you know, her personal experiences are totally laid bare here. And, you know, I will absolutely have read the book by then as well. So, yeah, let's chat. Let's connect over it. And let's really hope that the conversation that Angelique and I have had today is really served as a catalyst for you to really take a look at your own highs and lows and look at, you know, figuring it all out on your own terms as well, or whatever that means, as Angelique would say. So thank you so, so much for joining us today for this oh, podcast. Thank you. It's been thank you absolutely much. fantastic to have you. Oh, thank you. No, it's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Achieve With Me podcast. If you like what you heard, please do leave me a rating and a review. And if you're looking for more ways you can increase your presence at work and accelerate your chances of success, I have something for you. I'm so excited to be opening enrolment for my program, The Career Accelerator. Now, this blends the perfect amount of private one-to-one coaching sessions and adding in some pre-recorded video modules that you can learn in your own time. This is really going to help you to be able to change your external perceptions within the workplace, have more of a presence in meetings, and speak with more gravitas and authority to really help you to articulate your value. If you'd like to grow in mindset, confidence, and of course, communication skills, I absolutely recommend that you get in touch for a chat about this.